I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Take one. Do you want anything from the shop? Chocolate. It doesn't say anything about a chocolate, does it? No. No, it doesn't. Sure it doesn't. So fuck off. My boss says he can eat 50 eggs. He can eat 50 eggs. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. You're certifiable, Quint. You know that? You're certifiable. Hello, Dimitri. Listen, I, I can't hear too well. Do you suppose you could turn the music down just a little? Oh, that's much better. Hello and welcome to the latest Spool podcast, which is one we've been looking forward to for weeks, because we get to talk about Star Wars. enthusiasm for The Force Awakens to one side for the moment as we go back and reassess the prequel trilogy, which arrived on screens between 1999 and 2005. And your regular people, Porik and I, are this uh, time joined by a very special guest, Carol Mulligan. Hello, Carol. Hello. Okay, so we're going to start with The Phantom Menace. First of all, Carol, did you see it in the cinema? Oh, uh, I, I presume I did, yeah, but I don't have any major memories of it. I'm pretty sure I didn't see it in the cinema. You would have had to, surely, because they did a thing before these come out where they re-released the original trilogy in a kind of lead-up to it. Yeah, but I have, I have no recollection of seeing The Phantom Menace oh, right. in cinema, yeah, so I, I have no idea. Anyway, so The Phantom Menace came out in 1999. Um, throughout the mid-80s, George Lucas had kind of pretended he ha- he wasn't going to make this original trilogy, but interest had kind of waned in the whole world. And then in the early 90s, he realized he wasn't doing anything else. So, you know what, I'll try and exploit that Star Wars world a little bit more. And he went back to his original uh, briefs from the first trilogy and ended up uh, formulating these films. So... Uh, I think of the original trilogy, it's what I'd call the political prequel. You're going to have to call your film oh, something. Oh, The Great wrong. Romance. The Great Romance. And what do you think your one? The good one. The good one. <laughs> oh, interesting. So anyway, so The Phantom Menace deals with the beginning of the end of the Galactic Republic as new taxes anger the Trade Federation and lead them to create a blockade around Naboo. Um, it, it literally the plot is as exciting as that opening sentence would lead. Um, um, Queen Amidala is the ruler of Naboo. She's played by Natalie Portman in this, who's I think she's eighteen in it. Uh, that will become important later. I have a fun story related to that. So two Jedi's are sent to sort out the situation. Kaigon Jin, played by Liam Neeson, and then his Padawan apprentice Obi Wan Kenobi, played by Ewan McGregor. Um, at the beginning, they end up saving the life of this Gungan guy called Jar Jar Binks, who is probably the most one of the most famous pop culture creations of um, the last twenty years. They rescue the queen and end up having to land on a planet called Tatooine, which we of course know well from the other. Star Wars films where they conveniently encounter a very talented nine-year-old slave by the name of Anakin Skywalker played by Jake Lloyd. Annie is big into pod racing and Qui-Gon opts to allow him to race in a bid to free him of slavery and also get the parts. It seems like the most ridiculous way of saving the day ever but that's what they kind of do. Annie wins obviously but all this draws the attention of a Sith by the name of Darth Maul who comes to attack them but they get away then they all head back to the Republic uh, capital uh, Coruscant to reassess the situation we see lots of boring politics I don't even remember any of them then they decide to oust the current Chancellor and it's all Senator Palpatine to the job seems like a nice guy back then right he kind of takes Anakin under his wing Uh, they head back to Naboo then where Jar Jar Binks leads a Gungan army against the Trade Federation's stupid droid army a droid army that is then destroyed by Anakin by accident when he's in a plane and the starfighter the autopilot brings him into space and then he's like, oh, I can shoot it. So it's an obvious harking back to the uh, end of A New Hope when another Skywalker destroys something in the sky. So um, looking back on it, Carol, we'll start with you. Did you enjoy The Phantom Menace? Well, actually, no, I did. I, I, I think I actually did enjoy enjoy the first one and, and sort of seeing Anakin Skywalker as a child. I liked that. Liked seeing the race. Um, yeah, I don't know. What about you, Borg? Uh, it's good fun. Like, the race is kind of the best part of it. That's the thing I like the most. The start's really ridiculous. It's kind of, you know, as you were saying, the whole tax thing and you're just like... That crawl, so the title crawling that yeah. launches the film is so boring. Like, it's just like okay tax really fair enough 
and it's kind of hilarious lots of parts of the film like to me this is a real kids film like I know a lot of people would say all of the Star Wars are kind of kids films but the other ones feel a bit more grown up and this one with Jar Jar you've lots of like childish kind of characters and from watching the trilogy as a whole there seems to be just lots of stupid kind of or we're going to throw this in because we have the CGI to do it or here's a daft character or here's a silly throwaway um, I thought it's kind of funny that Anakin is like Jesus or something his mother basically had a virgin birth there's a point when Qui-Gon says to uh, his mother is like oh I don't know who the father is and you're like what and they go around she in had, Concord as well but she'd never questioned it that's what was so strange yeah. to it that uh, Medichlorians or something I don't yeah, know yeah this is where the whole like, Medichlorian wait, comes in if you want to think about it like would, uh, surely she fell pregnant one time and was like well I haven't slept with anyone there's no guys around here and then you know was there like some sort of weird date rape kind of thing going on on, on Tatooine or something like she's a slave you know this is thing yeah. she's obviously led a horrible life so are we is there something inferred with that yeah and know. then in episode 2 later you're going to see or should I not skip ahead to that? But you're mm-hmm. going to see more Jesus sort of imagery in that where you see the mom sort of on something that's a little bit like being hung on a, on a cross. And and then also when he when Anakin takes her down from that, it's a bit like the Pieta, except role reversal. It's like him holding her in his arms. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I think it was definitely something he kind of wanted um, to do. I, I suppose when I, like I say, I watched this years ago when you know the video releases is when I remember just watching it over like a couple of times and then the DVD release because I think everyone has their own Star Wars point at which they kind of dipped in and became a fanatic maybe and mine was around Attack of the Clones stage because I had no older brothers so maybe that's why you oh, know okay. ab- abusive childhood I had um, and so I remember going by, watching this and this being as almost as you know because I'd seen the original films and then was watching this and I was like oh right and it didn't feel like the two were really connected because they were so kind of fun and full of heroes. Whereas with this, you're like, who's the film about? Like now is what I'd, I'd actually even ask that now. Like it's not really Anakin's story because he's not in it all that much. And then it's not really Padme Amidala's story either. It's not about Obi-Wan. It's not about, so I don't really know. It's really kind is of long drawn out half an hour. Like it's a half yeah. an hour intro to the whole series, but drawn out over two and a half hours kind of. Yeah. Uh, the whole stuff with Padme is funny. The, like is that the, the that's not Natalie Portman oh it is Natalie Portman no it's not Natalie Portman yeah and Kira Knightley is in this as well which yeah, I didn't recognise that but yeah you were saying if you stick the the head in you can kind of swap her I again found that watch, re-watching it now having forgotten most of the plot I was slightly confused at the um, Padme Queen Amidala switcheroos because you're just like wait a minute but she's sending her little oh no that's her oh okay I get it um, it took a while but um, you looked at their ages earlier what age so I actually think she was 14. She's so she 14. was queen at 14. Yeah. Lovely. That's the land of Naboo. And then uh, Anakin is nine. Isn't that right? Is Naboo a reference? You know, um, the Mighty Boosh? Yes. <laughs> One of the characters is called Naboo. I guess that's... Was it before? Was the Mighty Boosh after the Phantom Menace and I, stuff like this? I wish I knew that answer, but I don't. Yeah, I was kind of like, that guy just kept her Naboo, Naboo. And I was like, oh, brilliant. Yeah. Um, it's good. So anyway, I am... I d- I did get to go back and you're kind of watching it now in a kind of kitschy sort of fun way that you're looking back at it and you're like, this is so ridiculous. It's so maligned in pop culture. Like this is universally considered one of the most disappointing films of all time. Mm. Um, and so it's kind of fun to go back and look at it in that way, I think. So. And they kind of bring in daft stuff. You have the double-sided lightsaber with Darth mm. Maul as the bad guy and you don't, that doesn't continue into the, the middle three or any of the others. No. Dooku's lightsaber was slightly bent. That was the kind of gimmick of the time. Yeah, and you're just kind of like, oh, there's a lot of stuff and uh, yeah, it's weird. And there's stuff with the third one to do with R2-D2 that I'll talk about. Yeah. Um, The the one thing that watched uh, when we were watching it, Carl and I watched him um, a couple of weeks ago, was the racism. We kind of disagreed over, what's his name, Viceroy Gunray's accent. It was Chinese. Oh yeah, we, I I'm, think uh, I in my know, head I was like, I was like yeah, I, I get that. Ra- I presume you think it's quite racist or no? Yes. Yeah, yeah. it is. I think I too. picked up yeah. a bit of an Italian. Uh, oh, Italian I thought it was Asian, kind of like Asian, might... Asian Chinese. Yeah, and... I didn't. I couldn't place. I couldn't place the country, but it sounded like definitely someone making making fun of some country's accent, but not quite getting it. Yeah, it was right, not quite being specific. You know, just like and would that happen generically foreign? I, yeah, exactly. And I don't think that would happen now because it's so obvious to us. Like the, the, I was never in tune with this whole oh, the voice the CGI. They're all really racist. But like when I was watching it in this, you're like, 
there's like what was his name Watto the guy the slave owner and he's oh, like yeah. this anti sort of like a Jew yeah like, definitely kind of a Jewish character mm. you know I mean? or you could you could project that onto him yeah like and he, then Jar Jar is quite like Jar-Jar there's a racist super, and, super Jamaican yeah, yeah and Jar Jar has a lot of lines in this film so he's um, all over it like he comes on screen and you do kind of cringe you're just like oh god yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of the film that you have to get through if you haven't seen them like we were doing it for the point of this and I was just like look just get through this and you can be okay because the others get, start to get better I guess the point of it is kind of just setting the scene of the whole world and introducing it to all the characters kind of that many years ago and, and on that level it is interesting but as a film I don't think you could say it was no and it's tough convenient. as well like I watched it with Lisa and she had never seen any of them before <laughs> I love oh. that I love that you watched the fandom minutes before so any of them you're kind of like she was like is that oh that becomes Luke's is it oh right and that kind of realisation and I'm like oh this is kind of interesting but it's like should we watch the first three maybe or something you know because it is yeah I don't know yeah, um, so the fun thing being with this uh, is that there's there's fan edits of this original trilogy where um, uh, Ty, uh, what's his name? Typher, George Topher Lucas. Grace oh. does this. Yeah, sorry, not George Lucas. Topher Grace does an edit of these where the whole thing is about two and a half hours and he tried to hold public screenings and release and stuff, but obviously it was shut down back in the day. But now they seem really, Disney, since they've bought Star Wars, seem very relaxed. So you can watch... This is on YouTube. There's a two hour, 30 minute cut of the three films, but all they've held on to from The Phantom Menace is a tiny bit of the Darth Maul fight at the very end, um, which is interesting because Darth Maul, I think, was... Uh, that was kind of the culmination of the film, I think. Yeah, and that's yeah. all they did. So you don't get any young Anakin, no Jake Lloyd. So um, it's kind of fun. I have a clip here. Uh, Peter, you may or may not know this, but Peter Serafanowicz uh, voices Darth Maul and he gets uh, three lines. So I get his, I want to just showcase his thing. And then there's a little clip afterwards of him talking about that. Tatooine is sparsely populated. If the trace was correct, I will find them quickly, Master. Move against the Jedi first. You will then have no difficulty in taking the Queen to Naboo to sign the treaty. At last we will reveal ourselves to the Jedi. At last we will have revenge. You have been well trained, my young apprentice. They will be no match for you. I remember George Lucas saying to me, you know, uh, you're kind of like the new James Earl Jones. And I was like, (laughs) am I? No. (laughs) No. Um, So there's a little clip at the end there of Peter Sarafanovitz talking to Richard Herring in a podcast. Um, And he just, um, further on, I'll include the link somewhere, but uh, he talks about Terence Stamp, who plays the original Chancellor in the film, who gets ousted by Palpatine. But Terence Stamp came on board. um, Apparently George Lucas kind of, you know, seduced him almost to being in it and he was like yeah it's fine because um, he said oh I'll get to act with uh, Natalie Portman and I kind of fancy her apparently what he said Natalie Portman was about 18 at the time and he was a thingy but then when he went to shoot the scene in the Senate um, he was acting against someone with a tennis like kind of a, he said he's just looking at a tennis ball so I think you can, watching the film you can kind of tell that there's a lot of um, people not really acting in a normal dramatic sense and uh, you know eye lines some of the CGI looks quite dodgy in this as well there's some where it's just a bit like uh... yeah which is interesting to me because again I'll just we'll maybe wrap up with this a little bit this was an original review because you know we wonder now it's everyone says it's crap but then when it came out first was it critically panned Empire probably gave it five stars did they I can't remember I think they may have given it four whatever I know Attack of the Clones got four and then maybe Revenge of the Sith for five but anyway Janet Maslin reviewed it for the New York Times and she wrote um, and it's a really positive review. Stripped of hype and breathless expectations, Mr. Lucas's first instalment offers a happy surprise. It's up to snuff. It sustains the jeepwiz spirit of the series and offers a swashbuckling extragalactic getaway, creating illusions that are even more plausible than the kitchen raiding raptors of Jurassic Park. While the human stars here are reduced to playing action figures, they are upstaged by amazing backdrops and hordes of crazily lifelike space beings as the Lewis Carroll in Mr. Lucas is given free reign. That's a very positive oh, wow. kind of review. And it's fun to go back. Like, I think the one thing that knocked everyone's socks off back then was how amazing it looked. And now the whole thing actually looks like a computer game. Yeah. A lot of it. Like yeah. a bad... The pod race, I think, kind of holds up still. It's kind of cool. It's like his, It's like a modern yeah. Ben-Hur. How did you watch it? As in, did you watch, like... Uh, we, we, so we watched a DVD of the first half of the first one at home um, in Drogheda. So the sound was the whole surround sound, which no one watches movies with anymore at home. Mm. So the pod race was amazing. Um, but then the picture on the DVD wasn't as good then when you watched the the HD uh, online Re-release. streams that, that were re-released two years ago. And then also 
Yoda is CGI in it too. So I don't know in the version you watched, Yoda was re- it was released and Yoda was a puppet, which didn't really fit in because puppet Yoda um surrounded by CGI, a bit stupid. So they kind of fixed that up. But um anyway, I I give it maybe two and a half. Kind of enjoyable, but like terribly enjoyable. It's two and a half out of five. I'm going with. Yeah, I'd probably go with the two. I have a tri- bit of trivia about the Yoda puppet thing. They used the puppet for the other actors when he was in scene, so they would have a point of reference for him. But apparently it had been, it was the original puppet, mm. and the face had done some weird contortion thing, so it looked really stupid. So, oh, a bit of go. palsy going on with Yoda. Uh, I'd, two stars, I'd say. Two. two out of five two, two. Oh, so we get a combined rating of six and a half out of 15 uh, cool so I guess we'll we'll move on as we should well, unless you know Attack of the Clones Carl this is the one that you were uh, assigned to condense okay so ten years we're ten years later the Republic is in crisis there's a separatist movement headed up by Christopher Politics. Lee playing Count Dooku who I actually think is really good uh, I like Christopher appears Lee. in every franchise going like it's a franchise he didn't appear in he was in Lord of the Rings you know yeah. fantastic your sort of token evil character yeah. um, which he does well to be fair to him um, opens with an assassination attack on Padme who we knew as Queen Amidala who is now a senator so Senator Padme Amidala uh, she's on her way to Khorasan to vote on forming an army against the separatist movement. Uh, and there's an assassination attack and uh, one of her decoys gets uh, tragically killed. Yeah, is that Rose Byrne then? No, she's in the film Who's later. Rose Byrne? The one from Bridesmaids. Famous no, Australian she's actress. in it later, I think. So it was another decoy. Yeah, we didn't see her face much. but yeah. Okay, so Obi-Wan Kenobi and Anakin are with her. Um, Obi-Wan ends up going off to Kamino to sort of investigate who's behind the assassination and Anakin is put in charge of bringing Padme off to Naboo to keep her safe. What a great idea. And at this point, Padme, in her wisdom, leaves Jar Jar Binks in, 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 in charge of her role, which is just comical, you know, looking back on it because, you know, if you've seen Jar Jar in the first movie, like, you yeah. wouldn't put him in charge yeah. of making a cup of tea. I wonder how he... <laughs> you know taking the temperature of how hated Jar Jar was like I wonder did Jar Jar have a much bigger part in the next two films but he was like oh god there's but a, we can't just disappear him like yeah. it certainly seems there's like a that. wonderful theory that hit the internet a couple of weeks ago some guy on Reddit um, put up this thing sorry to interrupt but um, whereby he has this theory that uh, Jar Jar Binks is actually a trained force user knowing Sith collaborator and is a central villain in the whole thing and he writes this you know 2000 word thing and can I read a little bit yeah, so this is the guy's argument I think it's very much tongue in cheek but by the end I'm like yeah maybe it's right um, so Jar Jar manages to convince us that he's a bumbling oaf in the midst of pitched battle even though he's always incredibly amazingly successful whether single handedly taking down a battle droid tank or unleashing a barrage of boombas on their front lines or precisely targeting multiple enemies with a blaster tangled around his ankle we simply roll our eyes and attribute it to dumb luck so true he's central to the whole thing I mean yeah, the Chancellor yeah, kind of you can kind of see so it's my, new, th- it's my new angle now that I have that he's the best character in the whole series absolutely and the key <laughs> to everything I mean he's an interesting one to keep an eye on like certainly that, that moment happens in the blink of an eye and yet yeah. you know later it'll lead to massive downfall anyway uh, Obi-Wan uh, heads off for Kamino um, and they've been expecting him and so possibly some of the worst acting of all time. Uh-huh. Uh, is this with the crazy alien yeah. thing? Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. Um, I'm here for the... Oh, yeah, come on in. We'll show you the... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and Ewan McGregor <laughs> sort of responds being like very much like, yes, yes, you have been expecting me. Um, I imagine every time Ewan McGregor isn't acting or he's offset, he's just counting the wads of money he got paid to do this film. Like, yeah. No way. He, like he, for most of the time, he's trying to do... Uh, Alec Guinness impersonation and it's weird and it gets more kind of camp and ridiculous as the films go on it's a bit yeah, yeah I mean certainly the, the part on, on Camino definitely stands out as very robotic um, but anyway so he, he discovers on Camino that they've been making the, uh, the Jedi a clone army based on a bounty hunter called Jango Fett who we already I think at this point know he's behind the he was behind the assassination and 
again at this point it just is kind of like why would you build a clone army for the Jedi based on a bounty hunter who yeah. obviously doesn't have the characteristics that the Jedi are looking for so it's just a, you know a moment that really baffles me like you know you're going to make an army of bounty hunters yeah. that are, the Jedi are going to want anyway or will they or did they ever and then yeah, and we so. get this as the stormtroopers then effectively is what they look like but as well, they don't look like the the middle traditional stormtroopers. They've got this weird helmet thing. Yeah, the mid earlier version of it. Yeah, and yeah. I was just like, I don't like that either. And they're all different colors as well. They're like, there's some like red and green and everything. Yeah. 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 Basically, Obi Wan just sort of accepts that this has that some earlier Jedi has has ordered this army on behalf of the Jedi, and he realizes Django is Padme's assassin. Tries to tackle him. Uh, Django still manages to escape, and he follows him to the island of. Geonosis or the planet of Geonosis maybe hmm. um, meanwhile Anakin and Padme are off on Naboo falling in love <laughs> giant air quotations in the air yeah. it's possibly again like a, you know just, just a very unrealistic unbelievable scene of falling in love and Anakin is you know, it's, it's creepy yeah yeah sure I think I think this will I don't like sand it's coarse and rough and irritating and it gets everywhere. Not like here. Here everything is soft. And smooth. He doesn't like sand. He doesn't like sand. Um, so, you know, just, I don't know, very, very teenagery very antsy full of pain and agony and you know Padme basically says you know well we can't do this you're a Jedi and you're not allowed to have any attachments and I'm a senator and just no and he sort of pursues it anyway he's so annoying um, and yeah he's even more theory to the stuff that Jedis are basically priests yeah it's just like yeah. you can't do this or like you're not allowed there's yeah. only but there is female Jedi none of them are on the council though I don't of course think. not. It's <laughs> God yeah. forbid. They're nuns, obviously. Yeah, so yeah. You're, you're Vatican. Right. Yeah. So then there is a moment for sort of. Well, um, no, there's a moment that comes later. So we get to that. So uh, at this point in his sort of falling in love with or trying to convince Padme to fall in love with him session section of the film, he has starts having dreams about his mother, uh, um, very upsetting dreams. So they decide to go off to Tatooine, uh, his home home planet. Um, where he which and, and it's kind of nice going back to Tatooine I found and you, you, you get to so he finds out that his mother has been sold and he goes off there to find his uncle, some uncle Ben and everything like yeah. that was cool like that was an actual positive moment except yeah. for his whinging there. and I guess but, it's, it's positive out of nostalgia though isn't it it's just kind of like oh I know him I, he comes he's going to come up again yeah and so he, so he meets obviously his father-in-law um, who so the, the man who bought her eventually married her is what I took from it is yeah, it was kind of weird. It's kind of brushed over. Like she was a slave. Yeah. But then some guy bought her and, and married her. Yeah. And then they then so he meets his brother-in-law and the girlfriend too. Inexplicably, yeah. he's in a mobility scooter. So I'll just see here. Shreemas, my wife. Yeah. Which I actually kind of liked that scooter. I was kind of like, oh, that's cool. Is this where he laid waste everyone, or is this yeah. after? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So he so he he discovers that the mum has been kidnapped. Uh, by a group of local vandals he goes off finds the mum in the Jesus cross Mm. pose takes her down she dies in his arms because now her life is somehow complete which again I didn't find believable you know if she's still alive and she's just been taken down the cross you know I just I just didn't buy that moment Um, and when he's going off looking for her again we've got like this like I don't know if you guys remember the scene of like the video game sort of going off in the motorbike and he's basically it just looks like he's driving through a video Very game. Very unreal. Oh yeah. yeah. And it just sort of it just sort of kind of takes you out of the world. The technology I guess has just really dated. Um, and then after he after his mum passes away in his arms uh, he kills all of the all of those people around. So that I guess that's his first dark moment. Um, and Yoda winces. Yeah he has a heart murmur. Great great pain. Yeah. Great pain. Uh, that was great though that bit I think it's kind of where it's just like oh yeah this is starting to get good now it's starting to get dark and like here it's no right this is actually going to be Darth Vader cool yeah I can get on board with this yeah, now it's starting great, to make like, sense you know? like yeah, yeah okay fair enough that's a pretty tragic thing for it to happen to anyone you know yeah and um, there's his pain uh, so then we go back to G- Geonosis uh, Obi-Wan uh, has found 
du- oh yeah, Dooku and Viceroy Gunray and their new droid army that they're making and he yeah, he confirms that they're responsible for the assassination order on Padme. He relates this back to Anakin. Uh, who patches it through to the Jedi conveniently did that, enough? Did you buy that? <laughs> the, like, that they can't the do Jedi the radio is... or do an automated like. Yeah, I mean it's it's all very convenient, you know. Like, oh, my button to the Jedi doesn't work, but you'll patch this through, right? Mm. And then of course Anakin wants to come and rescue him, uh, because oh, Anakin, I think Anakin or Obi Wan gets gets captured at the end of his video yeah. screening thing. Mm. So he so, and, and this is a nice moment for for Padme. So he, Anakin says, oh, I can't can't I have to stay here you're my priority and then Padme says well your job is to protect me and I'm gonna go and find him so yeah. you have to follow me so it's a nice it's a, it's, Padme's you know, it's a, a nice, badass in the yeah, second Padme half is, of yeah Padme is I think Padme is a really good character in, in two yeah. not in three <laughs> no we'll, um, but we'll she, she is quite a badass at, at that moment she's like well obviously we're going to save him and then of course they uh, oh and then before they get there and inevitably get captured on Geonosis, we hear uh, Dooku telling Obi-Wan, you know, oh, come with me, you know, come on to my side because the Senate is under the power of Darth Sidious, which it, it sounds like he's lying, but he's obviously telling the truth. And Obi-Wan just doesn't doesn't really believe him, <laughs> you know, sort of conveniently. It's a, sort of a very picture, like do you have a picture cartoon of villain guy? moment. Could, yeah. Like, mm. no, he's not. It's almost like a pantomime. Uh, so anyway, the three of them are all captured and they're on Geonosis and they get put into this arena, which was actually a a, a model. Like they built a whole full scale, full scale model for that. Mm. To me, that was a real nod back to like a, I don't know what film, Jeez, but yeah, yeah kind of like, own. yeah, creatures yeah. coming out. Like you have the pod race in the first one, which is like Ben-Hur yeah. chariot race. Then you have this again, which is the big thing in this like Colosseum and Rome and everything. And I'll try and think, is there a third one in the third one? And, you know, cobble together a theory fight. here. Yeah. <laughs> the sword fight. Robin Hood. Yeah. Robin cool. Hood, the sword fight is the third one. Yeah. There you right. go. Cool. We've solved it. So cool. it's a trilogy of 1930s and 40s action films and we've solved it. <laughs> I really did. I, lo- I like anything in one of these big Colosseum jewel things. Anytime they do yeah. that and like the camera pans back. Yeah. I mean, it's it's definitely like a dramatic scene and, and you've got Padme being really, you know, climbing up to the top and fending she's up the most monster. Resourceful and she's, yeah, she's resourceful and Obi-Wan comments on it. And... The tones are really weird because like, Obi-Wan's being quite funny and he's just like, wow. And like... Um, Anakin is trying to be so moody and because he obviously has to transition into Vader yeah. so he's being real moody and like oh, I hate you all but I kind of want director, to love you and I save you yeah like the director was out or George Lucas was obviously just like got a little bit hint more evil got eviler get <laughs> there was move a... toward evil but not too evil yeah, yeah. he's like for, flicking between the two for next year yeah and he just comes across as a really annoying teenager like just like mm. yes master but also I'm going to do exactly what I want mm. yeah. um so and they get out of there and then we yeah. finally get to how does the second because it's a giant. week or two since I've seen the second one how does the second one end uh, oh they the, get married with secretly. the wedding yeah with the and wedding so they get, the giant, they get giant, rescued giant by battle. Yoda and the clone army so the Jedi yeah. arrive then they're not doing much then Yoda arrives with the clone army oh and Jar- on a pretty uh, cool scene yeah like, that is cool it's a bit ridiculous yeah. though like Yoda it's like Yoda going into Nam on a helicopter yeah. with the, the yeah. clones behind him like you know <laughs> Yeah, no, it's a it's a, it's a good moment, like Yoda on his sort of hovery. Yeah, spacecraft. absolutely. Yeah, and yeah this was, definitely a bit numb. This was the first of the CGI Yoda that we got. Um, yeah. And where Yoda how fought. Did, yeah. And Yoda fights. Well, how did the fight, as I remember seeing that in the cinema and being blown away. Yeah. But now you're like, oh, I guess there was this, an actor against like a CGI thing and then they put Christopher Lee's face on one side and then turned the other into... I, st- I have to but say, good... I still liked, I still liked the Yoda fight mm. and I, I like mm. when he comes on screen. I, I... I remember when it happened originally though it was quite shocking and people were mm. kind of like because Yoda only comes into it in the second mm. of the original three and he doesn't really he doesn't do anything he's like a you know Mr. Miyagi sensei figure Yeah. so to see him fighting and everything people were like oh I don't know does Yoda do that but all you... rules are off when you're doing the prequel I suppose yeah yeah no and I think Yoda's one of the few characters who is actually enhanced by the original trilogy you know you're kind of buying into what he does yeah you do buy into it and you see he has something behind him and he kind of only uses it when he absolutely has to you know the rest of the time he has his stick uh, and the mm, walk mm. um but then he's obviously flying around the place in the in the big fight um Mm. so uh, it's always funny when you remember the jedi can semi fly or there's yeah. some weird thing that they do they jump and leap in buildings and you're always like yeah they don't really explain that but Yeah. yeah yeah 
Um, so at the end of that fight with Yoda and Dooku, uh, Dooku seems, senses he's not going to win and he throws something over towards Obi-Wan and Anakin so that Yoda was distracted. So he escapes, goes off to Palpatine? Yes, goes off to Palpatine and says, you know... Or Sidious in his head. Spoiler. Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> if you haven't <laughs> pieced piece this together. One person who <laughs> hasn't <laughs> seen the trilogy is somehow listening to this. <laughs> I don't, I don't know who that audience so is. So Darth Sidious and says, you know, the, the Clone War has started and, and he's delighted and... He wants more powers at the stage and yeah. Oh, and As, back on, I think this is important, back on Coruscant, um, Obi-Wan tells the Jedi that Dooku has told him that the Senate is under the control of the dark side. And there's a real sketchy moment where everyone's kind of like, hmm, we'll keep an eye on that. You know, yeah. and basically he has told them, like, yeah. you know, but anyway. Um, and then the final scene is, is the secret wedding mm, with, the, yeah. with Anakin with his new metal hand that got chopped off in the fight with Dooku. What do we think of Samuel L. Jackson as a Jedi? I don't buy him. I don't buy Not him. I, I don't really like him. He's really annoying. He's just yeah. like Samuel L. Jackson in the film. I was just like, oh, you're so annoying. Yeah, I was kind of glad he died in the third yeah. spoiler there. Um, but yeah, like, I mean, like I say, Attack of the Clones is the one that I, when I was watching, I was like, oh, I remember this bit. Like, I remember that. Like, so many images are burned into my brain that I hadn't revisited in a while. Most of them are Natalie Portman related. Um yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Natalie. But uh, it kind of pissed me off more than anything. Like, Anakin in this is just really, really, really annoying. And so creepy. Annoying. Yeah. Yeah, the creepiness is. <laughs> you can go to, on YouTube. You're like, in... You've no reason. Like, there's no reason shown why Padme falls in love with him. There's no, like. There's no, like, oh, he's he's got this. You know, you, you, I assumed you would see some bit of, like, oh, this is what she fell in love with. But there's really nothing. Like, Maybe she, he just she... did the Jedi mind control on it for the entire <laughs> relationship. Yeah, and, and there's even moments where she's telling him, like, you know, stop looking at me like that. That makes me really uncomfortable. Yeah, and he's it. just like, you know, yes, of course. But he keeps staring at her. Like, it's. She's it's a really... bit of a battered housewife, but without, yeah. like, he's not yeah, violent towards her. Yeah, but they're not really ballsy in the same episode. But then she gets very sappy in the third. So Their, their kiss moment um, is kind of nice. Like, the bit just before they go into that arena. It's kind of nice, I thought. Where she tells them that she loves them. Yeah. Yeah, and I was like, okay, I get it. So she does, but again, yeah, maybe but they then, haven't but done then the work. That to also sell felt it. to me like it didn't feel real. Like you know, like they're going into this arena where they're essentially probably going to be killed, and that's what she's thinking when she tells him that she loves him. So her reason before was like, oh, we can never be together, and then when she thinks they're going to die and they can't can't have a life together anyway, she tells him she loves him. It doesn't seem real. Like it's just like, well, I might as well tell you I love you mm. because we can't have a future anyway because we're about to die. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Yeah, it was a bit wishy-washy for me, the film. I was like, yeah, it's kind of, again, it's a filler. It's just slowly kind of getting in. The battle's at the end. Yeah, and there's lots of stuff with the whole trilogy. Everything seems too long. They're all too long. It was like you could have easily cut 10 minutes out of that battle scene, 10 minutes out of this. You know, it's just... The the battle scenes are long. I've found the battle scenes long. Just to clarify, are you saying the picnic... On Naboo shouldn't have been a scene. The rolling in the grass wasn't important to the. That's, That's like shocking. something out of the Princess Bride. <laughs> levels of nonsense. Uh, I loved the, the Princess Bride. Yeah, no, that's great. Like, so do I. But in the Princess Bride, you don't want to see that in the Star Wars. Um, but, but it's just like it's just like again showing the desperation of like they're just desperately trying to show this one true great love, and it just doesn't work. He's a terrible, terrible writer. There yeah. you go. Like, I mean, whatever he builds, like Lucas can build a world, create these beautiful characters and landscapes and whatever, but he can't write people. And Fame. he wrote all three of these and directed them all. With the first and three, he go. only wrote and directed the first one. Uh, yeah. And you hope he got Cold. different directors because he pretty much had a breakdown after it. Um, yeah. So there's loads and people always give out about Transformers and beat Michael Bay with like, you can't tell what's going on in Transformers in the action scenes. Some of the battle scenes in this, you're just like, I can, will we just fast forward this? Because we know they're going to be fine and no yeah. one's really going to die. So yeah. like, it's a bit irrelevant. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, so that was it. I'm in the, I maybe two and a half camp again, maybe up to three. I don't know, but probably two and a half out of five. Yeah, like it's. I mean, I found it kind of interesting in that it's so fun to pick holes in because there are so many of them. But you, I, I get like yeah, two and a half. Yeah, probably the same two and a half. No real. Yeah. Don't really. It was just kind of. I think I'd never watch it again. Maybe if it was on mm. TV, you might. But yet, I'd possibly go back to the Phantom Menace to see yeah. certain yeah. parts of it. Or you're like, oh, it's kind of cool. Um, but yeah. Very good. Do you want us to roll on then to film number three? Film number or three. Or number six. 
Revenge of the Sith that came out uh, in 2005, so 10 year anniversary. Um, I'm surprised they didn't re release all six films. I thought that was maybe they didn't have time for film schedules. Uh, before the mean? new one comes out in December, I think they're they've made a deliberate thing not to like that they want to kind of not remind people about like two and three because they did the three D thing for Phantom Menace and it made you know hundred million or whatever. But everyone is like, God, I forgot how crap it was. And they just abandoned the plans and decided to focus on new stories. Which uh, you're so, right, it would be nice to have seen this in the, yeah. in the cinema. So this is kind of where it all kicks into gear. It all finally comes together. We have um, Anakin Skywalker becoming Darth Vader. Everybody's scattered to the four winds because we know with a new hope it opens with the Jedi is almost like a non-existent thing. It's just kind of whispered about. So you're you're always kind of wondering that, and you're you're aware that Samuel L. Jackson has to die, and so and so has to die. So you're kind of looking forward to it, like, oh, I wonder how they're gonna end this. So it starts with them, um, Obi Wan and Anakin, trying to save um Darth Sidious or Senator ten Palpatine. Year, are we ten years on? The hair had grown. Yeah, he looks sufficiently old Nine enough now to be going out with. Queen Amadea and become a potential yeah. father. You had looked at the years. I actually didn't look at, at the next one, was it? I thought you said maybe Anakin was at maybe 27 and Padme's 32. 32. Yes. Okay. Yeah, because at this age, at this stage, the, the like, age gap yeah. seems more manageable, whereas yeah. initially it's just like, I mean, like seven and 14, or nine, nine and 14, and so, which weird, is a huge yeah. gap. What's the thing with the accent as well? Do you notice that in The Phantom Menace where... Senator, uh, when Her queen Pad- voice. Padme yeah, puts on this ridiculous, like, yeah. blah, blah, blah. And, and then when goes she's totally queen normal when she's. In two. Yeah. I know. It's not like she's trying to buy cigarettes from a shop. <laughs> so, again. I mean, she, she doesn't know who she is, as, as is clearly cut, like shown in the like difference in her character in all three films. Uh, so, in the third one, again, it starts with another kind of. looked amazing, I thought. I've only watched it quite recently um, when they're trying to rescue um, Senator Palpatine. Um, fight scene it looks good but again it's too long you don't really know what's going on has more of these stupid kind of droid creations droids were the the main thing of the whole three films I thought that go onto the the spaceships and try and get rid of uh, Obi-Wan and again we have this kind of the, we, we know he's going to become Darth Vader but he still seems to be really in favour with Obi-Wan that really love each other and it's all going great not the Jedi but pro pro Obi he's pro B for sure he but he's not maybe he's got his doubts about the Jedi Council a little bit yeah so this is then when we start when they get onto the ship and rescue Senator Palpatine we have Count Dooku sh- shows up and gets killed quite ruthlessly by Anakin and he pauses to st- he doesn't want to do it but he does it anyway because um, almost like Palpatine's when, willing him on he's yeah it's him almost kind of like the, the Darth Vader from the Empire Strikes Back when Sandra Palpatine or down yeah. at that point so that we're really starting to see now Darth Vader coming to the fore and in the background you know it's flits there was a brilliant thing when I was watching it I said to Lisa was like enjoying the, the screen wipes mm. so I was I looked at IMDb can you guess how, if you haven't read it can Ooh. you guess how many no it's not in ridiculous in this film is it yeah in this film uh, 23 no. Yeah, 30. 40. Because <laughs> it's like every time, it was just like, he has no idea how to cut to a scene. Yeah, you and know, it's they're just fun like, to use, but you don't need every. But there's 40 of them, and they're all ridiculous. Some go into squares and yeah. go away. I was just like, this is fantastic. Yeah, it's like someone who has just sort of learned how to use PowerPoint, you know? Yeah, brilliant. Star wipe. <laughs> there was no star wipe, so it's just disappointing. He got 40 of them. Um, yeah, and there was another thing in this where I didn't like because you've characters who are acting against form. I think we have Ortu D two, who kills and like turns two droids again on fire, and like he does all this stuff. And I was like, you can't do that. You didn't do that in the first three, but like they conveniently tie it all up at the end of the film where, um, one of the characters says, "Oh, we'll have those droids." Wipes. Yeah, wipes. You're just like, all ah, right, it makes makes sense then. Um, it's the one I suppose it is the most enjoyable. I think of the three. Uh. Again, the relationship is pretty terrible. We have the thing where we know she's pregnant or she reveals that she's pregnant to Anakin or uh, Padme to Anakin. But as you say, she just kind of comes in and she's like, I'm pregnant and then kind of disappears. And there's a ridiculous kind of soundless, uh, wordless montage in the middle when the two of them are staring out into, you know. At the, each other, but yeah, not. Yeah. But not. And you're just like, what is this? You can't, you know, this is not that kind of a film. Just get back with the action. We have all the kind of Jedi being scattered about. Um, the clone 
is kind of increasing, the war is increasing, and you can tell that um, Senator Palpatine wants more and more power. And we then realise at one point when he does finally seize power, he says to all the droids and clones, he's like, oh, execute program 66, I think it's called. And they all turn basically. It's order, very order 66. Order 66. And it's quite, it's almost like uh, something from The Godfather or The Untouchables where just everyone gets wiped out. Um, and then we have a nod to Chewbacca where they go to the the Wookiee world. or um, Which was cool. It was kind of cool. It was nice to see Chewbacca. And... Uh, that, yeah, I don't know, it's, again, then you have kind of Obi-Wan and he's just being comical and he does, we'll have a clip here now in a second of here is when Obi-Wan kind of realises Anakin has gone to the dark side. After he's kind of chopped both his legs off in a pretty cool scene, uh, shouting at him, you know, you were supposed to be the one. So if we just play that clip here. You were the chosen one! It was said that you would destroy this and not join them. Bring balance to the force, not leave it in darkness. Yeah, so Ewan McGregor is very shouty in this film. There's lots of like he gets real into real actor mode and I was looking up some of the trivia Francis Ford Coppola recommended a speech coach to George Lucas whose name I can't remember and to really get the most out of them and George Lucas was like yeah it's great because I don't really have much time to talk to the actors and I was like brilliant I was like I'd say you were just I would really love to be on the set like did you just care about the you know technical minutiae and we're just like just say that line grand it's going to look amazing so don't give yeah, a shit I'll clean it up in post you know, I suspect um, so, yeah. Tom Stoppard, do you know him, the playwright? Apparently he gave it a, a screen treatment, a script treatment after it, the whole film, like the, the script before it went to shoot. And I was just like, oh, that's pretty cool. Maybe it's not, it's not that atrocious. Um, Our man Jar Jar has precisely zero lines. Like he does. He uh, does appear briefly all in yeah. black for some reason. Mm. Yeah, it was the highest grossing film of 2005. And I have some trivia. Oh, yeah. C-3PO has the last words in the film. And he has the first words in A New Hope. Okay. Like, oh, that's kind of cool. We haven't talked about C-3PO and R2-D2 in these films. Yeah. Um, I think R2-D2 is made a hero, but C-3PO is incredibly annoying and not funny, particularly in yours in Attack of the Clones. We didn't even get to talk about that weird conveyor belt like Sega Mega Drive series. Oh, they were always kind of the comical, you know. Yeah, but that was I never really liked C-3PO. RTD2 is kind of cool because he doesn't talk. He's almost like yeah. Chewbacca and like he's cool and he's lumbered with this gobshite C-3PO. <laughs> um, but yeah, they're the only characters I think to appear um, in all six films or 2 d 2 The guy who's inside him. Um, I'm trying Kenny to Baker. Kenny Baker. He's in all six films. and uh, yeah, Very good. Anthony yeah. Daniels playing C-3PO and they're in both of the uh, of the they're in the new ones as well or like uh, in the new ones like I presume yeah. like what does Kenny Baker actually do as well, R2-D2 I was just about to ask because C- he has no voice right yeah but like in the first films he was in there main and he was doing the movements oh. it's great sound effects again in these three films like they are at the cutting edge of True. sound and music John Williams' scores are really good um, did you look up or did you come across the Wilhelm scream in any yeah. research yeah mm-hmm. it's during one of the dog fight scenes kind of like with the spaceships at the start it's this kind of really iconic scream it's just like going off into the distance and it's a thing it was done in the 50s it was and like they started used it. to be yeah. used so he, he kind of left it in Ben Burt left them in as a bit of an odd which is kind of cool um, yeah like I I think it's the one that actually holds up best I loved watching it like so much and in that last half an hour you are actually really even though you know there's obviously the, in all these films there's the inevitability Anakin becomes Vader and um, Padme will die. But and you do, have, but you do, you are you interested it. in how that happens yeah. and you are wondering, you know, what's this final thing that's going to make him really give up on the Jedi and yeah, the, like the scene where he's, you know, he's he's pretty much dead and Obi-Wan is leaving him. Sort of Why doesn't he cut him in half, half as well? Into flames. Yeah, yeah, burning on the rocks. I mean, it's pretty gr- grotesque. Um, but yeah, you are kind of saying in your head, like, don't just finish him off, finish him off, just, just Did we? Because there's a thing, I don't know, maybe Star Wars proper nerds will know. Did Darth Vader always have fake legs? I didn't know. Because I just figured it was a voice head thing, because in the, the film you see the head yeah. coming off and he's being burned and stuff. 
but obviously there's that. I was reminiscent of Frankenstein when he comes off the thing. I thought that's terrible as well when he just no. screams no. I was just like, this is awful. Yeah. It was cool when he became it and you hear the voice. You're like, oh, that's probably the best, one of the best scenes from the three films. Um, I didn't really, I didn't buy into the whole voice. Like, obviously we knew he had to end up with James Earl Jones's voice. But um, when he went from Anakin's whingy voice into this big regal kind of thing and you're like, okay... The vocal synthesizer on his chest, but like very quickly, like all the design stuff changes very quickly. So a lot of the technology just disappears. Even the fact that Padme wasn't, you know, was unable to survive childbirth. Um, yeah, but it's like you know the technology would have been there the to just to keep her uh, alive, but then gives up the will to live. Like, do you yeah, buy it? I didn't. I that didn't was like hilarious. That. She's <laughs> giving up the will to live. Oh, for God's sake! She she's so brave throughout the whole thing, and like. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't seem like the same woman. He tried to kill her. He tried to strangle her. And she's like, oh, still, I can't go on. I have to die <laughs> I can't now. Go on because... Even though I'm going to give birth to a baby, I just two can't babies. go on. Two babies. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, like, you're not two, gonna... and yeah. she didn't know she was having twins. Is that possible? Girl, as a woman, do you know if that's possible? <laughs> that's a joke, everybody. Um, but would you surely not know you're about to have twins? I don't know. It's often used in many... Uh, Terrible TV shows and stuff. Yeah. And it's like, oh, yeah. here's and the me. second baby. The yeah. second baby. Wait, at what point did we find out she was having twins? At the only, only, only at the very end. Yeah, she was having twins. So yeah, but but even still, she knew she was having a baby. Like I, I just don't buy into because the love of my life has now turned over to the dark side. I'm giving up the will to live. And she died of mortification. <laughs> uh, the there's a thing with the whole general grievous thing was really annoying. I thought I had completely no... forgotten general grievous I, existed. I loved he... general grievous. Oh, I, I mean, just... no, I mean, yeah, I loved yeah. him as a hilarious, hilarious character. The minute he came on screen, I was saying to Nigel, "Why is this robot wearing a cape?" Yeah. <laughs> and why it it is explained in some of the trivia I looked up. Why has he trouble breathing? He's a robot. Why is he but going on? He has a human cough? heart. He has a human heart that gets um, destroyed. He's a chest cavity. He has that's an organic, collapsed. yeah. So, um, the, I, I, I looked this up as well. So, um, it was the asthmatic cough was intended to emphasize his organic nature as well as the flaws of cyborg prosthetics. So, this was at the cutting edge. You know, the, the Trade Federation decided the best way to build one of these things is to actually give it a human heart and build it that way not really that's stupid and then he's got like four lightsabers yeah. as well but and he's fun he was really annoying and there was a segment in that when Ewan McGregor starts um, just jumps on a weird lizard thing and runs around the place oh, and yeah. it's like where'd you get that from and it's just but like a lot of the there's a TV series on Cartoon Network The Clone Wars which I don't know if anyone watched and then a feature as well and a whole animated thing which kind of took place be, before this film so in it you get a hell of a lot more of the Jedi and General Grievous and everything and the fighting and all that. So that's worth exploring if you do like that world. If you Most like people see... came out of the f- franchise unscathed. Like Ewan McGregor was very much an actor in his own right before the film. Yeah. Hayden Christensen, I was looking, I haven't, I don't recognise one film he was in since 2005. Yeah. He has been in them and he has acted, but like maybe he made a ton of money so he doesn't really care and needs to. But... He's in the one where he played a journalist. Um, Shattered Glass I think which is nearly worth a watch he's certainly kind of acting but it's hard to know if he can't act or the script is terrible it's probably a bit of both both. he didn't come across well I mean you you wouldn't think he'd be getting many jobs out of playing that part no No. apparently you could see the Millennium Falcon at one scene I missed that Mm. and And George Lucas cameos in it oh good during the opera scene through that weird bubble opera thing. Oh yeah, yeah. That's a very there. powerful scene as well, where Palpatine is talking to Anakin about, you know, the roots of evil and all that. And I kind of enjoyed that. Yeah, I'd buy into yeah. that. And like yeah, you're more interested kind of in the fable so. talk and stuff. It was just yeah. like when it goes into the pointless action, you're just like, oh. exactly. Like the mythology of the Jedi is actually much more interesting than any of the politics or anything like that. Um, I have some user uh, opinions because, as always, we watch what school we ask you the listener or the reader or whatever to maybe share some stuff so I can read out some of these if you like um, this one from Philip Gallagher watch Phantom Menace recently looks like Toy Story with a couple of live actors worst trilogy ever it's harsh but also very very accurate um, this one from Brian Walsh uh, I don't think episode 1 is that bad if you look at it as a kids film uh, episode 2 is a love story it's the teen drama very fair enough um, episode 3 again agrees with us I don't mind at all he says Padme shouting Anakin you're breaking me breaking my heart gets me every time um, also yeah why he raised the point why did Anakin have to kill the younglings 
Like that that pushed it too far. I don't I know he yeah. had to because all Jedi had to yeah, be kind of wiped out. Jedi. But um, That so. was all that was a really emotional scene though. Like it was like, no Yeah, yeah. Not yeah. the younglings. Well yeah, they were so cute and lovely, you know. The baby Jedi. Um Ian Wright uh, writes, watched HBO's Show Me a Hero recently, which I haven't seen. The Oscar Isaac, who is in the new Star Wars film, is in it, but it's about housing. Um, it's terrific, even though it's a show mostly about urban planning and housing policy. So there's no excuse that Lucas's movie about galactic trade law was so shit just because it was about that too. Very valid point. Um, and then... Uh, uh, our regular listener Michal writes uh, lightsaber battles in terms of CGI and choreography Django Obi-Wan all good examples the Jewel of the Fate scene was better too but mainly Yoda uh, I, I agree all the Yoda fights deserve way more credit and then he raises the thing about the Jedi archives which uh, the Trinity library um, and how cool that was oh yeah the room yeah. I was just like I'd forgotten about that when I saw it I was like oh, yeah. the Trinity. is it the long room they called it in Trinity or well there was the law the lawsuits over the whole thing so um, yeah yeah, that's about it. I feel that we've probably talked long enough and maybe not. There's loads more. We're going to have a little written up bits on these two. Sorry, Carl, your homework is not done yet, um, but we'll be done. We will be back in um, about a couple of weeks, I suppose, with our thoughts on Before episodes the new one four, five December. and so, six. Okay. Yeah, like my, I think different people are taking different attitudes to The Force Awakens in terms of how much they're engaging with it. I've watched the trailers and I'm reading bits about it, but I'm trying really not to learn anymore you carol has actively not watched the trailer yeah i don't want to see anything i'm gonna go completely blind yeah. and you've had the trailer too so we, we will talk about that more uh, next time we will have another special guest next time uh, which will be fun oh yeah so i went to see weird al yankovic a couple of weeks back and in the course of a set realized he had two star wars party songs he is one to the t- tune of uh american pie you know the don mclean song and it's Luke Skywalker, I'm going to be a Jedi, sung to that. It's very good. But he also has Yoda. And I think Yoda was our standout character from the three films. So we're going to finish with uh, Weird Al Yankovic's Yoda party song. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. I met him in a swamp down in Dagobah Where it bubbles all the time like a giant carbonated soda S-O-D-A Soda I saw the little wren sitting there on a log I asked him his name and in a raspy voice he said Yoda Y-O-D-A Yoda Yeah.